Good morning. Happy New Year. I was thinking this week, um, you know, two years ago as we were ushering in 2020, we had no idea what was in store for us for the next two years, did we? Uh, so here's, here's to hope. You know what I want to say to 2022 is just be cool, all right? Just, just relax. Just be cool, all right? Be copacetic. You know what? Ever heard that word? That's an old word. Raise your hand if you ever heard that word, copacetic. Copacetic. I don't just I don't know if anybody is raising their hand. That, that just means just means just just steady, uneventful, just satisfied. That's how I want 2022 to be. All right. So happy new year to everybody. Thanks for joining us. Those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online, thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Adam. I'm the discipleship pastor and our Pastor Kyle, our lead pastor, he's down at our Columbus campus this morning. Um, but we're going to kick off a new series uh, today, and it's a series that we do every year. If this sounds, if this sounds familiar, it's because it, it should sound familiar. It's called "Be Generous," and this is a, this series. It's really about this this churchy word we use sometimes called stewardship. Now, I want to define stewardship for you. Okay, I'm going to throw out just I just want to prepare you. I'm going to throw out a really um, really deep intellectual. Uh, seminary-type definition of stewardship for you, okay? So here it is. It means what you're doing with what you got. Can you say that with me? What you're doing with what you got. All right, that's basically what stewardship is. It's how are you using the, the things, the resources that God has given you. Are you being a good steward with those things? Are you being generous with those things? Because we know that God calls us to be generous with the resources and all the things that he gives us. And so to kind of set the table for this whole series, I want to share a story with you from, uh, from the Gospels, from Luke 9. Uh, this isn't our main passage today. I'm just setting the, the stage for this whole series. But in Luke chapter 9, we see this story where uh, Jesus is walking along with his disciples and someone says to him, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now, some of that may sound a little bit harsh, but what Jesus is saying, and again, we could, we could easily spend a whole morning talking about this, but just for our purposes today, Jesus is communicating to people that in order to follow him, God calls us to complete devotion and commitment to him. Completely sold out, holding nothing back, no divided loyalties, no sitting on the fence. In fact, he calls us really to be all in. He calls us to be all in, to be completely surrendered. I want you to keep this phrase in the back of your mind because we're going to come back around to this. But what we're talking about is being completely surrendered to God, holding nothing, to ba nothing back from Him. God, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And so in this series, we're going to specifically talk about three areas. We're going to talk about our time, our talent, and our treasure. 
And again, the reason that we do this every year isn't because we just want to beat these things into anybody's head. The reason that we talk about these three things every year is because for many people, these three things, or one of these three things, is often the last thing that we surrender to God. For a lot of people, these things are the last things that we, that we hold on to. We hold on to them with the tightest fist. For many people, it's one or more of these things that keep us from being all in, completely sold out, fully surrendered to God. And so that's why we're focusing on these things for the next three weeks. And then today's focus, of course, is going to be time. Is your time and how you spend it surrendered to God? Are you being generous with your time? Are you using your time wisely to make a difference for God's kingdom? See, in our culture, I I believe, and I've believed for for a long time, and in some ways I see this in my own life, um, I think our time in many ways has become a more precious commodity to us than our money. Right? I mean, nowadays, a lot of people would rather just try to spend money on a problem than invest their time in solving it. Or, you know, to look at it another way, there was a time when if something broke at your house, people people wouldn't just go out and buy a new one. They would fix it or they would learn how to fix it. They would invest their time in fixing it because money was a more precious commodity than their time. Well, now, in many ways, that's flip-flop. And I think a lot of people today, instead of spending the time to fix it, they would rather just go buy a new one. Nothing wrong with either one. We just have different priorities, right? Time is a precious, precious commodity to us in our culture today. But here's the hard truth. Here's the hard truth. We tend to have time. We tend to make time for the things that are important to us. Ouch. That's true, folks. We tend to make time for the things that are important to us. Years ago, a a neighbor of ours told me, he said, Adam, uh, man, I wish I had your priorities. And at the time, I remember thinking something doesn't seem right about that statement. I can't figure out what it is. I mean, I just polite, said, oh, you know, I don't don't remember how I responded. But sometime later, it dawned on me why that statement didn't didn't just, it didn't sound right. It's because of this. Priorities are not things you have. They are choices you make. That's what a priority is. You're choosing to say, this is important to me. Priorities are not things you have. They're choices you make. You don't have priorities. You make priorities. And so it is with our time. We tend to make time for the things that we prioritize. And so with that in mind, let's look at at today's passage. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, to 2 Samuel chapter 7. The words will be on the screen, but if you want to find it, in your Bible or your Bible app. Uh, We're going to talk about David. David was the greatest king in the history of Israel. And we find this this story that's just always resonated with me. In chapter 7, starting in verse 1, it says, When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. 
Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. And Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. Now, let me ask you this morning. I want to focus on Nathan's response to David here. Does his response surprise you? When I first read this story years ago, I was kind of surprised by Nathan's response. I, I, thought, I would have thought Nathan would have said, well, go and pray about it and fast for 40 days. See if it's God's will for you to do this and then go from there. But that's not what David said or what Nathan says. He says, the Lord is with you. Go do it. Now, I think the reason that that didn't sit well with me when I first read that years ago, we have this, and I've preached about this before, a lot of you have heard this before, I think we have this kind of this bullseye mentality of God's will, where we think that God's will for the things that we do in life, it's this bullseye, and if we don't hit that bullseye, the rest of our life's going to be messed up. And so for everything, we see a need, we could fill it, but instead of filling it, we, we say, well, God, is it your will for me to do this? Is it your will for me to do this? As if it's this bullseye, and we don't want to miss the bullseye. But the truth is, sometimes I think we use this bullseye theology of God's will as an excuse to actually not do things that would be pleasing and honoring to Him. We say, well, I just don't think I'm going to do that because I'm not sure if it's God's will that I do it. Folks, do you realize that almost every time the Bible talks about God's will for us, it's not talking about things like how we spend our time. It's not talking about things like what we do for a job or a career or even how we serve in the church. Most of the time when the Bible talks about God's will, it's talking about his will for our character and how we live about being the people that he created us to be. And one of the very important things in, in being the people God created us to be is being generous. That is God's will for you, that you be generous. That is his will for me, that I be generous with the things that he's given me, including my time. And so when it comes to how we spend our time, what if we looked at it from a different angle? When it comes to how we spend our time, maybe the question we need to ask when we see a need and we could fill it, maybe the question we need to ask isn't, is it God's will for me to do this specific task? Maybe the question we need to ask is, would it be pleasing to God if I did this? Would it bring honor to God if I did this? But here's the key to this. The whole key to Nathan's response, the whole key to Nathan advising David this way, hey, if that's what you have on your heart, on your mind, go ahead and do it. The whole key to that is the last phrase, for the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. It all gets back to where David's heart was. Nathan knew David's heart. He knew that David loved God and wanted to please God and wanted to bring honor to God's name. And that's why Nathan gave him the advice that he did. Basically, Nathan was telling him this. He was saying, David, I know where your heart is. So if you want to build a temple to honor God, then go for it. That was, that's Nathan's advice. 
I know where your heart is, David. I know your heart is in the right place. And if you have this on your heart and on your mind and you want to do this, then yeah, go for it. Now, if you know how the story goes, you might be thinking, hold on, hold on. David didn't build the temple. So what happened here? That same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? Are you the one, David, to do this? He goes on and God tells Nathan that he has never asked his people to build him a temple. And then he goes on and, and he makes all these wonderful promises to David. And he says, David, your name is going to be great. I'm going to establish your throne forever. You're going to be the father of a long dynasty of kings. I'm going to bless you, David, beyond your imagination is basically what God goes on to tell him. And then down in verse 12, a little bit further down, he, he continues, For when you die and you're buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants. We know that would become, that would be Solomon, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. God tells David no. God tells David no. Now, does that erase everything that I just said? Does that make Nathan's advice to David bad advice? When Nathan said, hey, I know where your heart is. You want to do this? You have this on your heart? Go for it. The fact that God tells David no, does that mean that Nathan had bad advice for him? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let me ask it another way. Did David sin by setting out to build a temple for God? No. No. Was God angry with David for setting out to build a temple for him? No. In fact, he goes on and he blesses him. He says, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination, David. God did not say, I'm going to strike you and your family dead because you want to do this and it's not my will for you to do this. No, that's not what he said. God wasn't mad at him at all. But remember, the key to this is David's heart. He wanted to please God. He wanted to bring honor to God. That was the key here. And again, yes, God told him no. God told him no. And here's why that's important. You know, we're all overextended, right? All of us have full schedules, every one of us. And so when somebody asks us to do something... The immediate reaction in our minds is, is usually, I don't think I'm going to do that unless God tells me to. I don't think I'm going to do that unless God tells me that I should. What if we flip the script on, script on that? What if when we were presented with a need and, and we thought, you know, I, I could fill that, instead of saying, I'm going to say no until God tells me yes, what if we said, I'm going to say yes until God tells me no. And that's what happened in, in David's story. Nathan said, go for it. Until God tells you no, and David told him no. 
But what if, what if our first reaction was to say yes until God tells us no? I'm really busy, but I can see the need here, and I believe I can meet that need, and, and I think it would be pleasing to God if I met that need. So maybe I could rearrange some things and give my time. But again, it gets back to your heart. If your heart wants to bring honor to God's name and your heart is in the right place and your number one goal in life is just to honor God and you see a need, what if you just said, I'm going to meet that need? I'm going to be generous with my time and I'm going to meet that need. Let me put it another way. Would it be pleasing to God Let's talk about the church for a second. Would it be pleasing to God if everybody who calls this their church home was giving their time in some way? Would that be pleasing to God? Yes, of course it would. Of course that would be pleasing to God. Of course that would be honoring to God. Now, I want to I I put a little asterisk on this, okay? Because I know there are certain seasons of life where giving your time is a lot more difficult. I've had older folks tell me before, almost in tears, I want so bad to give my time and I just don't have the energy that I used to. I'm not talking to you right now. Or I've had single moms tell me, I don't have any help, it is just me and my kids and it is all I can do just to get my kids to church on Sundays. Listen, there are some seasons in life where the number one way that we can contribute, the number one way we can give our time is to pray for the church and do not underestimate the value of that. That's not the last resort thing. That's really the top of the list thing. So if you're in a season of life where the best way that you can serve with your time is to spend some time on your knees, either literally or figuratively, I'm not trying to heap shame or guilt on you for that. So I want you to hear me when I say that. But if you're not in one of those seasons of life, folks, we need you. We need you. I think in a minute, Pastor Jeannie's going to get up and talk about some needing some volunteers in the children's department. She always needs volunteers in the children's department. We always need greeters. We need parking lot greeters. Matt, he always needs volunteers at the homestead. We, you, there are things like, you know what, we haven't had, I don't know if since I've been here, we could use a couple people who are usually at early service. Dismissing early service kind of took some of the power of this away. But we could use some people who are usually at first service to just go up and down the rows after service is over, make sure the trash is picked up, make sure there's connect cards everywhere and it's ready to go for second service. Where there's jobs like that, there are ways to serve. There are ways that you can be generous with your time. And the truth is, there are some jobs where... Uh, we basically just need some, we just need a willing heart to do it, right? I mean, 
cleaning up the sanctuary, picking up the sanctuary between services. That's not, you don't need a seminary degree for that, okay? There are some jobs where we honestly, we need a willing heart to do it. But in an ideal world, we would be able to place people in the right spot that fits who they are. Say, well, how do you do that? I want to share something with you. It, it gets back to your shape, all right? And that's not a fat joke. But it gets back to your shape, okay? This comes from Rick Warren. He has an acronym for everything. Shape is an acronym. And so if you look, if you think about your spiritual gifts, and by the way, um, down here at the bottom, I know this is really small. This is in the Church Center app, by the way. If you, you can you download that, you can pull up the, all the slides from today. Um, or if you want to pull out your phone and, uh, and take a picture of that, you can. But there's a website where you can go take this spiritual gifts inventory, right? God has gifted you with things that he wants you to use for his kingdom and to build up the church, to edify the church, the Bible says. So spiritual gifts. And then your heart. Your heart, that's what, do you, what things get you excited? What are you passionate about? What gets your heart racing? If you, if you have a passion, if you have a heart for quilting, you know what? You're probably not the only one. You could serve your time by having a group that centers around quilting. If you like cars, you know what? You're not the only one. If you're passionate about cars, what if you gave your time by having a group, getting a group together, a small group around people who like cars? And you got together once a month and you either worked on a car or you met for, at Bob's for breakfast and talked about cars and maybe pray for each other at the end. I don't know. But what things, are you, what things are you passionate about? Where's your heart? What things do you get excited about? A is abilities. What are you good at? Everybody's good at something. Now maybe you're sitting here saying, I just don't know that I'm good at anything. You're good at something. Ask God to show you. Ask your loved ones. Ask people around you. What are your abilities? What are you good at? Your personality. God has wired each of us uniquely, right? Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. If you're an introvert and you just don't really, you know, people just absolutely drain you, maybe a door greeter isn't the place for you to be. I don't know. But what's your, what's your personality? How are you, how are you wired do you like routine or do you like variety? If you like routine, then maybe serving in a way where you basically know every week, this is, this is my responsibility. This is it, right? But some of you are not routine-oriented. You like variety. Variety. I get bored if I have routine. Well, maybe for you, the place to serve isn't a job where it's the same every week. Maybe it's a job where it's different. It changes. But how are you wired? What's your personality? And then finally, your experience. What things have you done? Or what things have you lived through? Could that shape how you serve and how you give your time? We have a, we have a, a widow's group that meets once a month. They get together. I think they have some light. Food, they pray together. Not surprisingly, that was started by somebody who was a widow, who has lived through the death of a spouse. We have a divorce care group starting up here in a couple of weeks on Wednesday nights, which you can sign up for, by the way, out at the group sign-up table in the lobby. There's a shameless plug. 
That divorce care group, not surprisingly, was started by someone who has lived through divorce. They have taken this, just like the widow's group, that both, both of these ladies took devastating experiences that they've had and said, I, I want to use this to the glory of God. And so they started these groups. What are your experiences? When you look at all of these things, sometimes I think we over-spiritualize. Can I say that? Sometimes I think we over-spiritualize how God wants us to serve. And what I mean by that is often it's right in front of us. He's already wired you a certain way. He's already placed certain desires and passions in your heart. He's already led you through certain experiences. Look around at these things and say, how can I use these things to the glory of God, to build his kingdom, and to build up the church? By the way, another shameless plug, one of our Next Steps classes, Connect 401, we explore some of that. I think that's my last shameless plug, but like I said, Pastor Jeannie has one coming. Here's the deal, folks. We need people in just about every area that we have. We do. And for those positions that need to be hand-selected, if one of our staff asks you to do something, what if instead of assuming that you shouldn't do it, what if you first assume that you should? In fact, Board nomination letters are going to be going out soon. Next four, five weeks, six weeks maybe. Do you realize if you get nominated to be on the board, it's because a, a group of leaders in your church family have, have thought and prayed and identified you as a potential leader? What if instead of assuming, if you get one of those letters, what if instead of assuming I'm not going to run for that? What if you assume, I should run for that? I trust that they've thought about it and prayed about it and they see something in me, so I'm gonna go ahead and run and, and I'll let God tell me no. Because here's the thing about an elected position, there's a built-in way for God to say no, right? If you're not elected, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty sure sign from God. It's built in. So what if you just assume, if you receive one of those letters, that you should let your name go on the ballot? And let God sort it out. Let God sort that out. Here's the bottom line. When it comes to giving our time and our efforts to God, there are times when he will tell us exactly what he wants us to do. But there are other times where he may not give us a clear yes or a no. And in those times, we need to know his heart well enough to know, would it be pleasing to God if I did this? In fact, let me ask you this. Parents. Or if you're a boss or an employer, you have people who work for you. Either way, what brings more joy to your heart? When you tell your kids or your employees exactly what you want them to do and they go do it because that's exactly what you told them to do. Is it that or is it when you don't have to tell them specifically what to do? They know your heart and they know what you want done and they just they take it on themselves and they go do it. What brings more joy to your heart? Know God's heart. 
as you dig into Scripture, as you spend time with Him, as you cultivate that relationship with God, fully surrendering yourself to Him and saying, God, every area of my life is yours. As you do this and you know God's heart, would it be pleasing to God if I did this? We need to realize that when our hearts are in the right place and we proceed down a path that he doesn't want us to go down, he's not going to be mad. He's not going to stop loving us. I'm not talking about sin, all right? I'm talking about doing something. I'm talking about building a temple and he doesn't want us to build the temple. If you're truly seeking him, he will let you know one way or another that you need to back up. And you know what you do then? You back up and you look for other ways to serve. That's what David did. If you keep reading that story, David didn't pout. When God told him no, David didn't pout. He didn't, he didn't try to manipulate his way around and say, no, I'm going to do this. David cast the vision and gathered the resources so that when Solomon was ready, he could just hit the ground running on building this temple. David just found another way to serve, another way to give his time. And so here's what I'm saying today when it comes to how we spend our time. Again, sometimes I think we overcomplicate it and dare I say even over-spiritualize it. Sometimes we see a need, we could fill it, but instead of filling it, we say, God, is it your will for me to do this? Is it your will for me to serve in this way? And I can't help but think that sometimes when we do that, God is saying, there's a need in front of you, and you could fill it, and I've called you to be generous. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on a sign from heaven? Are you, are you waiting on an angel to visit you in the middle of the night? There's a need in front of you, and you could fill it. Go fill it. Because God's will is that we live generously. It's that we live generously. And that's what you do when you're all in. You live generously. All in, this, this phrase, okay, this phrase, its origins are in the poker world, all right? Now, as Nazarenes, we don't encourage people to gamble, okay? So I'll just say that. But the phrase means that, you, it means that you're so confident in your hand that you're putting all your chips on the table. You're so confident in what you have. You are all in. You are 100% committed. So if I can just rescue that phrase from the poker world and use it to God's glory, in a spiritual sense, when we're all in, it means we are so confident in what God has done in our lives. We are so confident in his, his love and his grace, so confident in the truth of who he is, so confident in the salvation we have in him. We are so confident, and not in who we are, but in who he is, that we are 100% all in, not holding anything back. Fully surrendered. So as you think about what God may want to do with your time, as we go into this new year, as you think about what God might want to do with your schedule, 
is there something you need to surrender to him? Is there a part of your schedule that you've been maybe selfishly holding on to? Let me put it this way. What's one way you can be more generous with your time as we move into the new year? And can I just say, that may not be serving in the church. Maybe you need to be more generous with your time at home. I don't want to help my kids with the homework. I want to watch the game. I don't want to help my wife do the dishes. I want to go play golf in 10-degree weather. Maybe it's not at church. Maybe it's at home where you need to be more generous with your time. Maybe it's at work or at school. But what's, what's one way that you can be more generous with your time as we move into the new year? Ask Ryan and Michelle to, to come back up. They're going to lead us in one um, couple more songs as we usually do as we continue to worship. So as, as you think about this, as you, as you think and pray about this question, if you want to come up and pray at the altar, you can. Maybe you just want to come, maybe you just want to come up and pray, God, could 2022 be copacetic? <laughs> could it just be cool? Maybe you just want to pray for your family as we come into this new year. What's on your heart today? What are you thinking about today? What are you distracted about today? Maybe that's something you just need to come pray about. But we want to invite you to come as we sing.